Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. You know, my number one mission in, well, not in life. I've got other missions in life. But my number one mission for this particular podcast slash radio program is to make your car life better. And that can mean a lot of different things. You know, when your car breaks down, a lot of people just, what do I do? You don't know what to do. I was watching a show when I was sitting recovering from my hip surgery. It was an automotive show, and it was basically a guy who owns a shop. And he was talking about the five worst cars to buy, or brands of cars. He really wasn't specific vehicles, but the five worst brands to buy from a repair standpoint. So the brands that are going to cost you the most money to keep going. Uh, Number five on his list was kind of surprising to me. It was Volkswagen. He says when they break, the average repair order is right at $1,000. Now, this is after they run out of warranty. Would that impact your life? You know, you take your car into the shop and it's got a little problem, maybe a check engine light's on or something, and they come back at you and say, what's going to cost 1000 Is that covered under warranty? No, it is not. Uh, The second, let's see, the fourth most uh, expensive vehicle to maintain, another German vehicle, BMW. That's no surprise. The third kind of surprised me. Um, Ram pickup trucks. He called them Dodge Ram, which I do that a lot. I haven't, you know, I never really caught on to the Ram thing. Because I was a, back in 1985, my dad and I became... Chrysler Dodge Plymouth dealers and there was no Ram you know we had the Dodge truck it had a Ram package it actually had a Ram's head on the hood but it was not called a Ram they decided to create a new brand most of the young folks today they Dodge what are you talking about this this truck's a Ram it's just like I remember when Hyundai meant junk when Hyundai first came out I mean Banks didn't even want to finance them because they were so bad. They had so many repos because the cars were just not very well made. And now, you know, you fast forward to what, that's been about 30 years, I guess. And uh, there's a whole population, whole generation of folks that do not know what it would be like not to have a Hyundai or a Kia to choose from. And see, I'm still biased. I still don't like them, but they're great vehicles, though. So the number third most expensive vehicle, according to this guy, when, when it comes to a vehicle being in his shop to repair, is a Ram pickup truck. Uh, the next, what was the second one? Oh, yeah, another German, Mercedes-Benz. So when they break, they're expensive. You know, it's one of the reasons that uh, import dealers, when I'm talking, German import dealers, BMW, Audi, Porsche, Mercedes-Benz, uh, even Volkswagen to a certain extent. Volkswagen is more of a people's car. That's what the Volkswagen means. But, uh, yeah, they make a lot of money in their service departments because they have extremely high uh, labor rates, and the labor hours are uh, they get, are very generous when it comes to re- doing certain types of repairs, and the parts are really expensive. So that means that they have additional markup, a different, a, additional profit margin built in to their parts. So, you know, if you see a dealership that's selling, 
I don't know, BMWs, and they're not that good of a store and they don't sell that many cars, they're still probably making money because they pay all their overhead with their service department. That is not true with most new car dealers. Most new car dealers will, if they run a really good operation, they probably pay anywhere from 65 to 85% of their fixed overhead, which is rent and utilities and stuff like that. Uh, they pay that with their service department. They have to make up the difference. Well, you have variable expenses, which include commissions and, and certain salaries and things like that, things that go up and down based on how many cars you sell. But, uh, you know, most of those, uh, has, most of the difference has to be made up with sales of new cars and used cars. So, you know, the, the auto business can be very profitable or it can be very unprofitable in a hurry. Uh, when business really slows down and, and uh, um, you know, the volume isn't there, the gross profit average per unit goes down, uh, yeah, it can, it can be uh, scary at times. Of course, the average consumer would never know the difference. You know, one, one way to tell that the business is not great is when there's really heavy discounting. When dealers are really yelling and screaming and balloons are going up and, you know, these big inflatable gorillas are being put in the front yard. Um, when you hear uh, a lot of uh, just claims that just sound too good to be true, like, we'll pay you 10000 over book value for your trade, you know, that kind of stuff. There's... Um, Business isn't that good when you hear that. And I'm starting to hear that. I'm starting to hear that a lot from a lot of dealers. So watch out for that. You know, the show that I was watching, I had to leave before I found out what number one was. Number one, worst vehicle, highest repair bill. But it is an important thing and important consideration. You know, if you're thinking about buying a car, it's just like the guy I sold a, a Nissan Rogue to the other day. And he looked at me square in the eye, and he was buying it, and he was happy and everything. And, of course, we offer – we have a, a, a lifetime powertrain warranty that we offer and we, on every vehicle that we sell. And it costs us money. It doesn't cost us as much as you would think, but it is backed by insurance, and it does cover for as long as that particular person owns that car. It is non-transferable. But the customer looked at me square in the eye, and he said, should I buy an extended warranty? And I said, well, how long do you intend on keeping the car? Number one, he said, I'll probably keep it for 10 years. I said, okay. Well, that's one check in the favor of buying an extended warranty. The next one is, you know, how difficult would it be for you to handle a major repair? Let's say that, you know, seven years down the road, something happens to your transmission, and that's going to cost five, $6,000 to fix. Would that be a life-altering experience for you? And he said, absolutely. I said, buy an extended service contract then. You know, don't pay too much for it. Of course, he was buying it for me, and we don't charge too much for him. We charge the the retail price for uh, service contracts or extended warranties. They're they're the same thing uh, that Ford and Nissan say to, to charge. It's their retail prices. The same thing that you would if you were to you know buy something online from Ford or from Nissan, then it'd be the same price. And but a lot of dealers mark those up because they can. You know, they can. They can for a warranty that we sell for, let's say two thousand dollars. I'm just picking a number. Uh, another dealer down the road could charge four thousand dollars for that same warranty. Well, how can he do that? Well, because there's no regulation against it. You know, the only thing that you can do as a consumer is to pay attention. You know, if you see that he's charging four grand for a service contract, 
excuse yourself out of the finance office and call somebody else. Say, what would you charge for this service contract? You know, hopefully they're not doing that. If they're doing that, then you might ought to be, you know, wondering whether you pay too much for the car as well. Uh, you know, there are limits. What should a service contract cost? You know, if you're buying, okay, let's just say a Nissan Rogue. You know, what should that warranty cost? If it's a 72-month, 100,000-mile warranty, it's probably going to be between $1,600 and $1,800. If you're at a dealership and they're charging you $3,500 for that same warranty, well, you probably don't know it because you, you're, paying, you're buying it based on the monthly payment alone anyway, and they've probably packed it in there, and you don't even realize it. You're signing all that paperwork, and they say, oh, by the way, this includes a 72-month, a, uh, 100,000-mile warranty. And you say, oh, great. You mean it for this same price you're throwing that in? Yeah. We're throwing it in, wink, wink. No, they're not throwing it in. You're paying an extra $45 a month for it. So, you know, you just got to use your, use your head. You know, the, as I say many times, the people who listen to this radio program or this podcast are the people who probably wouldn't allow something like that to happen to them. It's the people who are just let their exuberance overcome their logic and they get in that finance office or they get in the dealership and, oh, they're just so enamored with the car and the salesperson has done a great job, you know, keeping them off of price, focusing on the monthly payment, and then they get in that finance office and they're done. You know, they get home and they finally decide, you know, let's look at that paperwork. It's, it's, you know, something's not right. And they look at the paperwork and they see that uh, they paid five grand for a 60-month uh 75,000-mile warranty. They bought gap insurance that they didn't need because they paid $10,000 down. Um, you know, they uh, bought this, all these packages and stuff to protect their wheels and tires and keys and all that stuff. You know, some of the, that stuff is fine. You know, as I say on this show, it's fine. Just don't overpay for it. I mean, what's it worth to you to have protection against you know, damaging your wheels, which are very expensive, or and losing your key fob. What else? What else do they cover? Oh, paint protection. You know, five years of uh, free wax jobs, basically. Uh, maybe some Scotch extra Scotch guard treatment on your seats. A door dent and ding protection. So, what's all of that worth? Is you know, is it insured? Number one. I mean, who backs it? If just a dealership backs it, it's you know, it's not worth the paper it's printed on. If it's insured, you know, so that you know if something happens, you go on a trip and you lose your key fob, and you have to go into another dealership somewhere to get a new key fob. Uh, are you going to be able to get that covered? Who do you call? Is there a toll-free number? Is there something online? Do you have an app for that? You know, it's amazing to me that people will pay. $1,500 for something and have no clue how to use it, you know, if, it, if something happens. I mean, I recommend that you go home after you buy a car, get all the paperwork out. Okay, wait till the next day. Wait till you show your neighbors your new car and drive it around and go out to eat, go to Sonic, you know, and get you some, some really cool um, desserts, celebrate or Dairy Queen, get you a dip cone. And then at some point, though, please get your paperwork out. And see what you paid for. And if you bought the car on Saturday or Friday, do it on Sunday. Well, if you don't mind doing stuff, stuff like that on Sunday, do it Saturday night. 
so that you can arrive at the doorstep of the dealership on Monday and saying, what the heck is this that I bought that I didn't know anything about? And you will see some backpedaling like you won't believe. I mean, it is... Um, it's sad. But no, what happens is people don't do it. They don't read their paperwork until about 30 days later, 60 days later. It's too late then. It's too late to redo the paperwork. It's too late to drop the warranty. If you drop a warranty at that point, you're not going to get the money. You're going to keep making the monthly payments you've been making. The bank that financed the vehicle is going to get the money. It'll come off of your unpaid balance, but you know, it's not like you're going to get a check for that $4,000, and you're still going to be making payments on that $4,000. You paid sales tax on it and everything. And it's because you weren't paying attention. So that's pretty critical. Okay, I'm going to take my first break, and we're going to come back and talk about why cars have gotten so expensive. Is it inflation? Is it Joe Biden's fault? You know, let's figure this out. I'll tell you what the reason is, and it's not what you think. Okay, I am back. Here we are. We're going to talk about why cars are so expensive. I had a guy, young man, came up to me the other day. He said, boy, I can't believe the prices on these things. He was looking at this. Um, we had just gotten it in. It was a Bronco Raptor, the Raptor version of the Bronco. Brand new 2024 model. Very hard to get. Window sticker was 99100 and something. Before the end of the day, we had it sold to a guy from uh, just up the road in Johnson City. Johnson City, Tennessee. And so uh, we were just talking about it, and I said, well, i tell you what the problem is. It's not inflation. Inflation is part of it. I'm going to say that it's a very minor part of it. Content is the cause. He says, what's content? Well, that's the amount of stuff that's on your car. That's the amount of features that the manufacturers are packing on vehicles. Uh you know, I tell people all the time, there is a certain value in scaling back. You don't need all this stuff. I ordered a brand new Porsche 911 Carrera T. And I could have made that car $15,000. I, I still made it pretty expensive. I think the base price is $129 minus $144. Okay, I could have made it somewhere between fifteen dollars and $18,000 more expensive by adding more content. I chose not to because I really looked at those things. And I said, do I really need that? Do I really need four-wheel steering? Is that going to make that much difference to me? No, it's not. And there were a number, number of other features that I you know, felt the same way about. I just didn't need them. Scale back. You know, versus the men mentality of I have to have the best. I want it loaded up with all the bells and whistles. You don't need all those bells and whistles. You won't use a third of them most of the time. You know, today's base model is equivalent to the top-of-the-line model 30 years ago. It was good enough for us back then. It ought to be good enough for us now. You know, things like Apple and Android apps, voice commands, paddle shifters, uh, parking assist. Uh, Ford is dropping parking assist on many of their models. It's saving a tremendous amount of money, millions and millions of dollars to the Ford Motor Company, and it'll make the cars a little bit cheaper. Nobody uses it anyway. I mean, who uses the parallel parking feature on their F-150? Nobody, because everybody's too proud. I can park it myself. Um, heated and cooled seats. They are awful nice, though. Uh, automatic headlights, voice commands, power tilt steering, power folding mirrors, power tailgate, power running boards. 
Do we really need all that stuff? Let me give you an example of what this is costing us, folks, and why cars are so expensive. If you take a base F-150 and just, okay, I did a base F-150 crew cab. That's the full four-door. Not I didn't do four-wheel drive and all that, just a base car. It's still going to have power windows, power door locks, cruise control, automatic, AM, FM, uh, stereo with, um, uh, no, it doesn't have CD anymore. They eliminated that. They eliminated that amount of content. So what's the price for this thing? 34585 Did you know you could buy a brand-new F-150 a crew cab? For thirty-four thousand five eighty-five, most people don't know that because everyone they go see on the lot is over sixty thousand. So I figured a um, uh, let's see a platinum edition. So instead of a base F one fifty, I figured a platinum. The platinum and the King Ranch are basically the same. Uh, well, they're different trims; they look totally different, but that they're both top of the line and they're the same price. So thirty-four thousand five hundred eighty-five dollars versus. Seventy-seven thousand nine hundred and eighty for the platinum. Now, this is what has made vehicles more expensive. Did you know that the platinum edition, the top of the line F one hundred and fifty, whether it's platinum edition, whether it's a Chevrolet, a Ram, whatever it is, the top of the line is forty-three thousand three hundred ninety-five dollars more than the base model. Now, if you're buying a pickup truck and you're going to live in it all the time and you know, you're going to work out of it, and you're going to use it to go to Lowe's and, you know, on, on weekends and do your home improvement projects and go get mulch and gravel. And, you know, you might even pay extra to get a spray-in bed liner to protect it. You know, you might upgrade the wheels and tires. Um, but you know what? I've had an F-150, brand-new F-150, ever since I've been a Ford dealer, since 2005. I've had a sunroof in every one of them and never opened it except one time. I ordered a brand new F-250, of course, with a sunroof, and I opened it on the way home. I had a diesel engine and all that. It was loaded up. It was maxed out. I drove it home, parked it, got the keys out, went inside, had supper, had a nice evening with my wife. Came out the next morning with my grandson, and it had rained overnight, and uh, I'd forgotten to close the sunroof. Why? Because I never opened the sunroof. I, I forgot to close it. My entire in interior was soaked, standing water in brand new leather seats, standing water in the console. The dash was just dripping wet, and the carpet was, you know, just soaked. Well, that was an insurance claim, obviously. Um, if I'd been my insurance company, I'd been upset. Lanny, you shouldn't be doing that. But they paid for it. I had to replace most of the interior in that vehicle. <clears throat> So, you know, that's a feature I never use. Why should I get it? It's 1200 Well, I think it's about $1,800 now to get a sunroof. Do you really need that in a truck? So this is what is causing vehicles to get more expensive. $43,395 in, in additional charges. Think real hard about buying a loaded-up truck. And, I mean, you want your payments to go down? You know, you want something to be affordable? Order an XL or an XLT even if you're doing an F-150. <clears throat> and, um, you know, add a few options. Add the things that you want. My brother is so smart. Of course, he's a doctor and I'm a car salesman. And, uh, you know, he always orders an XLT. I said, why don't you get leather and all? He said, I don't need that. Why don't you get a sunflower? I don't need that. You know, he gets the truck that, that 
fits his budget and he's happy and it does everything he needs to do. He even he even gets the uh, six and a half foot bed. I said, why are you getting that big, long, ugly bed? And he said, because I, I like to use my truck. It'll haul more mulch. See how smart he is? Okay, I'll take my last break. I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, so now you know the rest of the story, why vehicles are so expensive. You know, I just look at a, uh, like a Nissan Sentra that I have out here. I mean, that's a very well-equipped car at the base level. I mean, it's just a hair under 20, over $20,000. But it, has, it is beautiful. It has beautiful wheels. It has power windows and locks and a really nice sound system, power steering, all the gauges, uh, multi-adjustable seats. Uh, all kinds of room in the trunk, get you know close to 40 miles to the gallon. Why isn't that good enough? And I think sometimes people just need to ask themselves that question, do I really need to go all in? Because when you go all in, you pay that price. And, and I tell you what, it won't return to you when you trade it back in. A lot of people, a lot of salespeople will say, well, you know, because it has a sunroof, it'll be worth a lot more. Not true. You know, there may be a slight ad in the book, but most most people, most uh, new car dealers, used car dealers that trade back for F-150s, they could give a rip if it has uh, a sunroof. So don't buy that argument. Get you the base model. You'll be a lot happier. Okay, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. Just trying to make your car life better. That's all I want to do. We'll see you next time.